You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host Conor O'Neill and I'm delighted to be joined this afternoon by Chris Beasley and Adam Jones. The Premier League season may be over and Everton may be safe and with international football firmly on the agenda at the minute but there is still plenty of talk and points surrounding the Blues and the fallout from a dramatic Premier League campaign that saw them survive by the skin of the teeth in the penultimate game of the season. We all look back today on far having shares open letters to the fans, Everton's new shirt sponsor and the ongoing transfer gossip surrounding the Blues, James Tarkovsky appears to be nearing a move to Everton following his the, the, following the end of his contract at Burnley, and he's one of a number of names currently linked with a move to Frank Lampard's side this summer. But, Adam, there's only one place to start, and that was late last night when the open letter from Farhad Mashiri dropped. Perhaps it was prompted by Mr Jolton, you, you yourself, and a, <laughs> a piece you wrote last week. Perhaps you may have got the idea to communicate with fans after your forthright comment piece in the Echo on, on the Echo site on Friday. But what were your initial thoughts when that letter dropped and what was in it? And obviously there's a, an apology from the Everton owner about the season that it, it had been. But do you think it's a case of Everton fans deserve more actions speak louder than words? Or are you just grateful to see some communication from Everton's owner to the, towards the supporters? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both really, isn't it? You know, I'd like to think that this was in the works well before uh, I, I wrote my piece last week. But I think the sentiments from the piece still stood uh, right up until yesterday evening. And, you know, I, I remember mentioning in last week's piece that you'd probably still get people uh, replying to any sort of communication saying, oh, well, this isn't enough and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that, that that did come from, you know, a couple of people. But I didn't I didn't really agree with that because, you know, this is, this is the kind of communication that Evertonians have wanted from the very top of top of the club for for some time and it's the kind of communication that they've deserved after what was you know such a disappointing shambolic sort of campaign you, you know to get to go three weeks without saying anything uh you know that, that's it, it's too long for me yeah i think it was just a little bit too long for these evertonians to have to wait uh for some sort of communication from the owner but when that communication did come i did think you know it, it was it was quite open and honest he, he he admitted that he'd made mistakes that the people around him had made mistakes he'd spent too much money uh, they weren't going to do this again etc etc and a lot of people have put this down as being sort of empty platitudes and you know pr guff essentially but i don't think i necessarily agree with that because he didn't have to be as open and as honest as he has been at the end of the day he's still the owner of you know what is what amounts to a huge business these days i don't think he's going to talk much about commercial strategy or anything like that in the future you know, he, he talked about the strategic review uh you know the the fan advisory board and stuff like that you know i think that was that was kind of good enough for me and i think 
well, I, I say good enough. It, it, it only time will tell whether whether it's good enough. To be honest, I think what you've quite quite rightly said there is that actions do speak louder than words, and it's it's only going to be uh, in the future that we know just how effective and important this level of communication was. Is this going to be a bit of a watershed moment? Are we going to see more of this type of communication? Uh, from himself, from uh, the chairman, maybe more regularly from the CEO, apart from a uh, you know program notes as well. You know, if, if that happens in the future, I think that's quite clearly a positive step. If this is you know just another one-off little bit of communication, then nothing's really changed, has it? I think this is one of the mistakes that they have to learn from. Essentially, they do need to try and keep up this sort of level of communication, and essentially, they they do need to make sure that they implement the the changes that make sure they, they don't really need to make these sort of sweeping statements at the end of the season again, because you know, it, it doesn't bring anybody any joy to see Farhad Mashiri coming out and holding his hands up and admitting how many mistakes he's made and how much money's been wasted over the last few years. Nobody wants that. We, we want to be able to have this sort of communication in a more positive light. And uh, hopefully that the, this can be the start on of the road to that and you know a, a couple of people have said I'm, I'm maybe being a little bit naive when I've spoke to them about you know privately about about this but uh, I, I think you've just got to take his sort of comments on face value at the minute he is, he's admitted his mistakes he said that he's going to learn from them as you said actions speak louder than words but we can't we can't know for certain what's going to happen in the future so I'm willing to take it on face value at the minute and just see where this goes, but I, I do think that you know, as as we sit here talking today, this was a positive step. Bees Adam says there, you know, it's been a, it was a positive step by far, haven't Shirley? But I think in general, it's been a real strange season, hasn't it, for the Everton owner in terms of you know, appointing Rafa Benitez, then you know, the text to Jim White after the Merseyside Derby defeat him, which he, you know, he gave us back into Rafa Benitez and you know, wants to stick by him, then eventually sacking Rafa Benitez in, in January, appointing Frank Lampard. You know, there was an open letter around that time to the fans, then not being seen at a game. You know, he's, he's not witnessed Frank Lampard's Everton side in action himself live once in this season before, obviously, now the open letter comes. For you, you know, was, was is it one round where you think, well, he's, he's come out, he's accepted his mistakes and he looks on from it? Or is this a case of, you know, actions do need to speak out and ways now and Everton fans need to see the club moving in the right direction? Yeah, I think, firstly, we can't underestimate um, what a big thing this is, a, a club owner eating humble pie in such a, a public manner like this, whether whether it means much or not. The, the fact that, you know, these are hugely successful businessmen, they're used to getting their own way, they're used to, you know, having what they say go. So to come out in public and, you know, to, to be so humble in this respect, to say, yes, I, I have got things wrong, as much as he might, realize that privately yeah i, th- I think that 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 is a, a big thing and that but as adam says it has to be the first maybe not of many as such but to have a, a regular a more regular dialogue it can't just be a one-off and uh in itself because yeah the, the, like we've just said that the season was disastrous it really could have been an, a disaster you know they would it came down to that penultimate match of the season last home game at at Goodison, and if that hadn't have been turned around in the second half, well, 
who who knows? And I've heard even colleagues said to me, "Well, even if they hadn't have uh, won that one, they'd have stayed up anyway. Like that would be all right, you know, for Everton to have stayed up on thirty six points. I mean, as it was, that was the the joint worst equivalent points total in Everton's entire history, even with a rally at the end of the season. So yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a, a huge mess in that respect. But in many ways, you can't blame." Farhad Mashiri's intentions because he's been so so generous. He's already handed over about half a billion pounds of his his, his own money and, and transfer outlays. It's like he says the mistakes have been made in the way that's been done with poor recruitment. I mean, seldom has a team spent so much to get so bad in Everton's respect. And he recognises there, there are problems here. It's not in his generosity. It's not in his intentions. You know, he's been you know, as as ambitious as ever, the Everton owner, it, it's been in the implementation of those strategies and then the way things have, have have panned out. So I think it 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 must be welcomed, but obviously also treated with caution. The, the hope that it isn't just a, a one off, and that um, he will see this as 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 a way going forward. Not like he's having to say sorry all the time, but at least communicated in some way, shape, or form with the fans rather than these erratic text messages to Jim White and going about things away. You know, he's got plenty of official club channels to go about. I'm not saying he has to speak to us all, but I mean, it would be nice, wouldn't it, to, to have the owner with the, the local paper, you know, the one publication who covers the, the club at every level, just to hear from him. And like you say, the fact that he hasn't even been inside Goodison Park on a match day since the Watford debacle back, back in the autumn. So, uh, step in the right direction, I, I would hope. And, uh, Let's just have a bit more of this, not like say necessarily apologies, but communication of some sort um, on a more regular basis going forward. Adam, I think Bees makes a really good point there, doesn't he, in terms of the commitment far from from far have Michelle what we've seen, you know, the, the investments in transfers, the investments in managers, the investments in director of footballs, and also as well now the investments in a new stadium. And he was quick to, you know, allude to that new stadium, wasn't he, in his, his open letter last night and how he is you know, committed to taking Everton to Bramley Mordock from Goodison Park in a couple of years' time? Well, yeah, I think that's... It is still an important point to make, isn't it? Because, you know, you probably wouldn't get a lot of owners spending so much money, as B says, with getting so so little return for it. It's it, it, it's a, it's an absolutely shocking amount of money, essentially, that uh, Farhad Mashiri has pumped into the club. Uh, um, real, realistically, we still need... Absolutely. Well, in terms of the playing squads, particularly, we need absolutely millions spent on that to 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 get it to the level that Evertonians would realistically want it to be in terms of a stadium as well. They're, they're never cheap, let's be honest. So he's going to be pumping loads and loads more of his money. So it it was it was quite nice to see that uh, reiteration, I suppose, of his commitment. But it it, it does kind of sum up how, just how badly Everton have been mismanaged over the course of the last few years that we have wasted so much money on you know players that were never going to be good enough managers that were never going to be good enough sacking those managers with their like big payoffs and just so many so many of these mistakes down the line you you, you could maybe forgive one or two of them in, in isolation perhaps but you know to have so many of them just piled on top of each other it do, it does a smack of you know the mismanagement that a lot of people have pointed towards over the last couple of years and yeah, those are the kinds of mistakes that Farhad Mashiri, to be fair to him, uh, 
did admit to and you know did apologize for and he did say that they weren't going to happen again but I, th- I do understand the points from a lot of evertonians that until they see evidence of you know, things changing in in that sense that so that they know that this isn't going to happen again then you know they'll, they'll they'll believe it when they see it i suppose so you know it, it's always it's always a rough line to 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 try and tread, I, I suppose, and when you when you're writing an open letter to the fans, in the way the Farhad Mashiri did, uh, I'm very much of the belief that he was never going to be able to please anybody, uh, everyone, uh, with whatever he said. You know, he, he could have said anything yesterday, and there still would have been some people who would find you know something to have a go at, and, or something that they didn't didn't agree with. But you know, as we've said previously, I, I just think that this. This open line of communication, as much as possible, just needs to needs to stay that way, really, because I, I do think it it's it's got to be the first step towards actually inspiring a little bit of change, and hopefully this will now allow Mashiri to you know, take stock and assess what's going to happen in the summer. Look at look at what Lampard and Thelwell are doing, and hopefully seeing the strategy that they want to uh, they want to implement, and you know hopefully it will lead to them not wasting as much money as he has done uh, over the last few years. Easy. One, one thing, another thing, sorry, that Farhad Mashiri was alluded to in the open letter was the strategic review yeah. um, being undertaken and, and all the findings from that and how they were being implemented, implemented etc. But I think in terms of that, you know, people asking questions of well, what has been, what were the findings, the hope for many supporters would be that you will see the findings for itself, won't the Evertonians will witness the findings and the improvements because history won't repeat itself and Everton won't be finding themselves in the position that they was for the large part of last season. I certainly hope that they don't. Um, big, as we know, a big part of the, the problem was a, a, a sequence of form that Chairman Bill Kenwright admitted was um, was unacceptably um, bad on, on the... Rafael Benitez, um, yeah, outsiders have sort of missed the point totally. People who say, oh, well, Frank Lampard came in his 16th, finished 16th. I mean, what's he done there? Well, completely uh, um, naive to the situation at Everton and what needed um, sorting. And you've got at least you've got a manager there who sort of resonates with Evertonians and whatever we. We think of him as a manager, and I think it's still actually very early days for Frank Lampard. In that, it's tough to say, you know, just how good a manager he is at this stage. What he did at Derby County and Chelsea to a large extent, obviously that's obviously a tough job to always go into. And he he wasn't your archetypal Chelsea manager, despite being a club legend as a player. Everything he's done has sort of been par for the course, but um, at Everton, he's he's got a real big opportunity for himself and. Everton have got to hope that it's the potential for Lampard and his team to sort of really take off. I mean, I think it's a big thing having having the supporters on the side and somebody who's united them, the fan base. He's spoken about how um, communication is the key with having a director of football, Kevin Fellwell. They've obviously um, already had discussions and they both seem to be um, happy with that kind of dialogue. And that's not always been the case. Unfortunately, Evan, I think this is some of the mistakes that obviously Mr. Mashiri was alluding to 
because you've had such a scattergun strategy in terms of recruitment and the various managers with their different philosophies in the game and how that was sometimes at odds and well often at odds with what the director of football was doing and you actually the infamous time going back to 17 when you had the three number 10s come in and the same summer and no sort of joined up thinking things could be um could be quite different now at Everton from a transfer strategy point of view we don't know how much money there is to spend it may be that one or more big names go out the door to help sort of um fund this rebuilding of the squad this summer that's something that i think most Evertonians, while they might not like would would accept as a financial reality and um just got to have a strategy now where the right type of players are brought in um uh, whoever that would be but i think it is a start yet if 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 Felwall and Lampard are singing from the same hymn sheet and they're at least trying to implement some sort of joined-up thinking because obviously the, the previous strategy just hasn't worked at all, really. And I think that Mr Mashiri, as much as his, his heart is in the right place, has, I think has been badly advised by numerous people around him over the past few years, and that's why Everton find themselves where they are currently. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Adam Bees talks there about you know Lampard and, and the, the the bond he has with the fans and you know the how the unity and how everyone came together. In a way, Farhad Machine now has got the perfect kind of foundation for building, hasn't he? Because he's got a manager in place who Evertonians are absolutely you know hell bent on getting behind and supporting players who they just grabbed you know sucked over the line in terms of the fight against validation. A director of football who appears to be you know, quietly going about his business, who's you know well regarded in football. So these are. In many ways, it's a really positive signs for Fabian because the first time, long time, he's probably got a club who's, who's completely unified and completely united. Well, uh, that's it, and it's no surprise to see, you know, in Farhad Mashiri's open letter uh, that he highlighted all of those all of those factors as being massive. Uh, you, you know, he's not he's not naive. He will have seen what what happens at the club over the last few weeks of the season, and he w- will have seen. How important you know that sort of sense of unity that you've spoken about there, and you know, fans coming together and really just wanting to wanting to exude this positive energy throughout throughout the club over the last few weeks of the season. You can see how important that that has been to well to Everton's Premier League survival essentially. Uh, the, the, the kind of coach welcomes and you know, seeing them off from Finch Farm and stuff like that. I think they I think they genuinely did. Change the season really, and uh, I, I dread to think what might have happened if uh, to, to the club if that if that hadn't been the case. So, repeat again, you, you've got to you've got to give praise to those fans who stood up to to be counted at the time, the players, uh, the coaching staff, even the, you know the club staff who did all they could to try and encourage that from the supporters. You know, setting up meetings with Lampard, etc. You know that that kind of that kind of thing perhaps goes under the radar as well, and that deserves. A lot of praise so there's a lot of really important elements that Farhad Mashiri particularly will will want to uh, 
want to try and capitalize on because why wouldn't you you know when you've got when you've got this positive energy around the club at the at the minute you know, obviously it's tempered by the fact that you know Evertonians felt that they should have never been in that situation I suppose and uh, you know that's another thing that is sort of statement goes to address but it, I, th- I think whatever however this positive atmosphere and this positive energy comes to you you've you've got to try and embrace it as much as much as you possibly can so you know hopefully uh, you know uh, keep repeating the point hopefully this is only the first step of Farhad Mashiri perhaps doing that hopefully we might we might see regular updates from him over the course of the summer about you know, you know certain aspects of the club's direction and stuff like that you know where 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 it's where it seems fit of course you know, we don't need them to just come come and say something for just for the sake of saying something but you know, I, I I do just hope that this is this is the start, and you know, it's quite right that he's going to want to, uh, well, not piggyback off off this positivity, but try and try and embrace it as much as possible. Because why wouldn't you? you know, like, I suppose that's something that supporters all want to take into the start of next season as well. There's already conversations about you know how the the atmosphere can be maintained at Goodison Park, whether it needs to be coach welcomes, what would replace a coach welcome if. If they're not needed, or etc., cetera, etc., cetera. you know, all those conversations are going to be taking place. So, you know, I, I think that's something that everybody involved in the club needs to uh, try and take on board. And you know, the owner's no different in that sense. Please, is, is there anything that you would like to see happen next in terms of you know Everton's owner and, and the board and the hierarchy in terms of like communicate with fans? Is there any any steps you'd like to see the club take now to be more engaged and? And to you know communicate more directly with fans moving forward after after this open letter. Yeah, it's just uh, just communication full full stop. I know obviously they're taking the um, the move to try and get more um, fan input on the um, uh, board level. That's something that obviously started a few, a few months back and is is in the pipeline already. But it just makes me yeah, I'm just interested about far hard machinery because. Um, he, he, he says he's totally committed still to uh, the, the twin goals of um, getting a, a, a top football team, which is obviously found very difficult, and um, and the stadium, which at least is the one thing at the club that seems to be uh, moving along smoothly. And um, see, we've got the, the four corners in there um, already. It's actually taking shape for our eyes. So that's I mean that is the one thing whatever happens on the pitch which will hopefully be Mr Mashiri's legacy is, is the stadium but given that um he has invested so much and had so little return as as, as Adam has said um it makes you just wonder um could he why he has been someone wavering I mean it is encouraging that he is but some owners may have shied away now and maybe thought, no, no matter how much money I throw at this, um, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to have a return. So I'm just interesting to see how interested he is. And maybe he's happy to just sit back and and take take a sort of a backseat role. But anyway, it's been mentioned already, the fact that he, he didn't even come and watch the team that often. He's, I mean, he's never been a regular visitor to Goodson Park. Um over is is was it now almost six, six years, isn't it? Um, since he took a, a controlling stake, and obviously, yeah, there are re- regulations for him being based in Monaco. We can only visit UK on a certain number of occasions. But that, that even if he only came over to watch the matches, I think that was still 
involved in his remit. So it's just interesting to see how hands-on, how committed he, he's, he's going to be over the coming months. Maybe he realises it's better if he sort of takes the back seat. Yes, he's the money man and he's the, he's the one who's who's providing the, the resources, but maybe leaving it in the, in the hands of those who who know better. But uh, like we said, that the board hasn't exactly been sparkling on that um, so far and they've actually been through three directors of football as well as... Um, seven uh, managers he's on now so yeah i mean just uh just to be intriguing to see what mr mashiri's role is going forward and just how hands-on he will be but whether he's actually there in person or not at goodison parker you know we we would like to be hearing from him on a, a more regular basis and going through what we would see him as being the more orthodox channels and not 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 a the, the a late night text to his, his mate Jim, um, uh, when, you know, when he when he's in the mood for that one. So yeah, that would be very interesting to, to, to see just where Mr. Mashiri goes forward with this now. Adam, apart Mashiri's open letter to Evertonians, isn't the biggest only news to the club mm. in the last twenty four hours after what seems like an almighty wait for some supporters. The club mm. finally announced their new shirt sponsor um, this morning. Stake.com has, has replaced Kazoo and the front of Everton shirts from, from now until, is it two years' time, I think it is, is, is the deal? described as a multi-year deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. deal. But it's safe to say that the, the announcement didn't go down well with all Evertonians. Some are a little bit surprised and some are a little bit, you should say, embarrassed that the club have gone down the gambling, you know, cas- online casino route. What were your thoughts when you, you know, heard the news that you ever were responsive by giving as well the comments that, you know, Chief Executive needs to have Baxendale made back in January 2020 when she said in an ideal world the club wouldn't go into partnership with gambling and online companies. Well, that's it. I think it does kind of revolve around those comments that were made at that general meeting at the time, weren't they? I mean, it, 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 it's a really tough situation because, and you know, from a moral standpoint, obviously you don't want to see the club going down this sort of you know gambling route you know, we've been been down here in the past and you know the chairman's comments were quite strong at the time when you know sport pacer was still sponsoring the club uh, at that point when when she when she made those comments so you know you you did think that maybe maybe that was going to be maybe that was going to be the change but you know i i think the the main the main point from her comment there was that she said in an ideal world and i think everton couldn't be further from an, an ideal world at the minute to to, to be quite honest uh, particularly in terms of their finances I, I don't think i don't think everton necessarily had the the uh, the model high ground when they were being sponsored by the likes of usm and you know as, as we've seen you know those those sponsorships have been sort of indefinitely suspended which kind of backs up that point as well so I'm not sure Everton have necessarily been on a moral high ground as it stands anyway. Uh, so essentially, it just looks like they've taken taken the best financial deal available to them. So from a commercial standpoint, uh, you can you can completely understand it. <laughs> you know, they've, they've they've chosen they've chosen the deal that's uh, offering the best money to them. They're not the, it, it's not as if they're the only club in the Premier League that are you know have some sort of betting partnership. Uh, whether that be a main sponsor or you know any other sort of betting partnership, they're, they're far from the only club in the Premier League. Uh, I've seen a lot of talk about you know this government white paper about uh, potentially banning betting sponsors in the future. 
Uh, I think over the last couple of weeks that, you know, the, the talk is that that has been, you know, sort of significantly watered down. So we'll see what we'll see what happens with that in the future. But the, the kind of suggestion at the minute is that there wouldn't be a ban on that. But then even so, you'd, you'd imagine that Everton have some sort of mitigation in place for if that for if that does occur. But it, again, it, it just seems to me is a, is a really tough tightrope to have to walk because, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of supporters who kind of understand the difficult position, especially commercially, that the club find themselves in and they, you know, they're, they're kind of uh, quite understanding of uh, the, the stance that the club has taken uh, from today over the over the course of their shared sponsorships. But, you know, I, I can certainly understand people who have moral objections with it as well. Because you, you don't you don't want to see uh, betting companies uh, getting such prominent advertising when you you know you've seen the problems that you know betting can have on 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 uh, on certain people. You, it is it's a really troubling situation. So it is tough, and I've seen a lot of people suggesting as well with uh, with kids shirts as well. This is another sponsor that won't be able to. Be printed on kids' shirts. I think Everton only in two seasons out of the last eighteen or something like that uh, have uh, kids been able to get you know <laughs> shirts the shirts that their heroes are wearing essentially, which is you know that, that's also a bit of a shame, isn't it? Really, but you know from a, as I say from a commercial standpoint, I can I can completely understand the situation that the club have found themselves in, and it's a tough tightrope to walk. And I'm I'm, I'm glad that I'm not the person making those sorts of decisions on honestly because i do think whichever way they would have gone about this again it's another situation where people would have had would have had problems either way i mean if they, again only time will tell in the future you know how much of an impact this is going to have but yeah like from a moral standpoint i don't like it but commercially i, I get it the royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Do you think this is, you know, we're seeing now the effects of the COVID pandemic, you know, in terms of, you know, I've lost a lot of money. It's got documented, I've lost a lot of money, you know, in, in COVID and playing behind closed doors, etc. And I think now, you know, in terms of the commercial team, they've asked to source the best deal out there. And okay, it's not with an ideal company, but it's the best deal I ever can get right now. And, and as, as they look to build up, you know, the, the finances and get themselves back onto it. And even foot them given what they've lost over the last couple of years due to the, the COVID pandemic. Yeah, and I mean, um, as as Adam said that um Denise Barra Baxendale, the chief executive, was uh, was very vocal about this a couple of years ago. I think that's a that's the thing, Louis. If we look um across the Premier League, uh, so many teams are sponsored by these type of companies, they do seem to be the main sort of um, source for, for for sponsors these days, because unless you're um, maybe Manchester United and uh, they have Chevrolet, like a truly global brand, a lot of these sponsors, you never actually heard of them before um, they, they, they come and sponsor these Premier League teams. And that's probably why they do it, to get that kind of 
exposure and that is the world that we're living in now whether it's these cryptocurrencies and um online betting and not too uh, some of my vintage not too old fair with, with with some of them exactly um uh, what what they are but they're obviously the the sort of companies who will, who will pay the money so it's been a complete about turn from from Denise um, in terms of uh, saying that um, being making such a song and dance about it when they were uh, and when they were moving away from Sport Pacer a couple of, a couple of years ago, but like you say, it is probably the the economic necessity of who's actually going to pay the money. She gave herself a, a get out clause in that she said in an ideal world, and like you say, it probably isn't an ideal world post pandemic, and all those losses that we heard about with Everton because of the pandemic. Um, but it's telling really that um, it's not like um, I mean it's one also it was one of the worst kept secrets in football that it was going to be stake.com as well I mean we, we weren't alone you know it's not like we were insiders within the media hearing about there's a lot of people who weren't in the media sort of knew that it was coming as well so it didn't come as a big surprise when it did come um, that um, with, with this with this um, um, kind of deal it's not like stake.com came in and obviously it's been pointed out it's a record-breaking deal for Everton but as I understand it's not necessarily massive numbers compared to what they had with Kazoo so they've gone and cut that Kazoo sponsorship deal short 12 months early just having done two years into a free deal three-year deal to come with stake.com now who are paying them probably nominally more. It's not like they've blown them out of the water and made them an offer that they simply can't refuse. As, as I understand it, it, although it's a record-breaking deal, it's only a little bit more than what they were getting from Kazoo. So that that's strange in that they've done that. They've had to wait on their Premier League status being secured again before the deal was announced. And that's what we believe the reason why it's taken so long is because and hence, as Adam's done a piece today, you know, the knock-on effect of the new kit because of them waiting to achieve the Premier League status. So it is strange in that respect because other clubs had been happy to do it, but after Everton took such a moral high ground over this a couple of years back, then now to go and do it for a little bit more rather than, a, you know, that stake.com turning up and saying, look, here's like twice as much, three times as much as what you were getting from Kazoo, that, that's got to be questioned. And that's another thing when, um, if we're talking about the decisions that the, the board are making, okay, record-breaking deal, but just is it worth all the controversy that they're going to get from a sponsor of this nature? Like getting a little bit more, and as Adam has already mentioned about the kits, because it was the same with Chang. I mean, there was less controversy over that, over being a brewery. But again, it meant that the kids couldn't have the, the the logo on the kits. It was the same with Sport Pacer. And at the end of the day, I know obviously you get the, like fellas older than myself. Some of them like like to wear the shirts. But you know, you know, it's a big thing for the kids, isn't it? They're the ones who wear it every day, and that, and 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 they want it to look as much as accurate as what their heroes are wearing out on the pitch. So I think that's something. I mean, per, I mean personally, I'd like to have gone somewhere else not just for the kids, which I think is a big factor because they want a shirt as accurate as they can to, re you know, replicate what their heroes wearing. But also after Everton had sort of tried to take the moral high ground on, on this, I would have been more understanding if they'd have just come and blown them out of the water with a massive offer. But for something that's slightly better than what they had, I'd have liked to have seen them 
I thought they could could have done better. And I think it is legitimate sort of questions being asked here about is it really worth it? Well, Beasley's been nice to have on because the next conversation on people's lips is Everton's kit. You've obviously done a you know a piece today explaining the current situation and where we found ourselves. But you know, certainly and I certainly, you know, agree with this in large part is you know, summer holidays are effectively on us now. People are, you know, jetting off various trips around the world and you know, now things have opened back up. And it is a crying shame, isn't it, that you know Everton are yet to release their new kit and you know parents and you know youngsters are not able to go and wear the kit on the summer holidays. When you look at like to Liverpool, who've had their kit out now for a number of weeks, these are areas aren't they, where Everton needs to improve commercially because if there's to get everything on spot in terms of branding and in terms of you know people wearing the kit and wanting the kit, they've got to get it selling you know before the summer holidays, haven't they? They've got to get out there before mm. people get off on the on the breaks away. I think it's tough in this scenario though because their their hands are tied a little bit. Essentially, even though Everton have announced that they're you know breaking off their deal with Kazoo early, that deal with Kazoo does still run until June the thirtieth. I think it, I think it'll be you know it's a very similar situation to you know like player contracts and stuff like that. So they can't really be seen to be you know, advertising a new main sponsor before their before their current deal with you know, with their actual main sponsor is is uh, actually finished. You know, Kazoo have paid up for for the rest of this uh, for the rest of this month. So they they're gonna wanna they're gonna wanna have you know, their shirts sold and their advertising still still on the front of Everton shirts up until that point, which I think is absolutely their right. Now obviously if Everton hadn't gone through a, a sort of main sponsor change and they were still waiting this long for a kit then i think there'd be you know le- legitimate causes for concern and you know certainly there'd be things that can be done better but yeah you know, I, I do think in this specific situation you know the same happens with when kazoo took over funnily enough when they took over from sport pacer uh, i think that season it was july the third the home kit actually finally got released for you know for hummel's first kit with kazoo on the front so uh i don't th- i don't think it's necessarily a surprise that we're probably going to have to wait uh a little bit longer for the kit to be released whether something you know gets teased or revealed uh before the end of july we'll we'll have to wait and see you'd, you'd imagine they're, they're going to have you know, the kits ready very soon if they haven't already got them ready so you know whether we see a little bit of a, a sneak peek or something like that beforehand we'll have to wait and see uh but i, th- I think that an important thing uh will be to have a, a certain amount of kits ready for the US tour. I think that's a big commercial opportunity for them. You know, if they go into America again, we saw the big uh, impact that that had last year when they took, was it, was it, was it the away kit or the third kit that they took? Uh, I think it was the third kit, wasn't it, that they yeah, took to America? Game, wasn't yeah. yeah. And, they, and they, you know, they, well, they clearly didn't take enough of them because they, they sold them out absolutely yeah. rapidly when they took when they took them to the stadium. So if they could have some sort of preparations uh, to you know take a, a huge amount of shirts over i think that's just that's just a, a, an easy win isn't it a commercial opportunity in that sort of sense so as long as they can maximize those sorts of opportunities for the rest of the summer i wouldn't be i wouldn't be majorly too concerned about uh you know this is this is a late release i suppose of uh, of the kit but as long as they can try and maximize opportunities like that you know as i say the hands have been a little bit tired this summer over what they can actually do with the kit so you know let, let, let's just hope that they can you know create create those sorts of opportunities maybe you know maybe get all of the kits out you know quite quickly but 
in the end, do, do you want to affect the sales of certain kits? I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not in the market. I'm not in the marketing game for a reason. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm not. I'm not necessarily too concerned in that sense. I, I just hope that they can maximize the opportunities that will come in the future. Moving on then, gents, and as always around this time of year, there is plenty of transfer talk in the world, plenty of gossip, plenty of things being thrown about, plenty of fans telling everyone what they would do if they were having a of Frank Lampard right now at this moment on who to ring in and who to get rid of. But Bees, I'll come to you on this one because yeah. you were in last week when we spoke initially about him when the, the links first arose. But it does appear as though the Blues are closing on a deal for James Tarkovsky following the conclusion of his Burnley contract. He's obviously a Premier League proven experienced centre back who's impressed, I think we, should, we can all say, in recent seasons. You know, even last year, Bernie Gomez he was still an impressive figure at the back and, and kind of leader of, of that, you know, of Sean Dyche's defence for, for large parts of his tenure at, at Turf Moor. What are your thoughts on that, Sam? Is, is that someone who pleases you to you see to James Harkossi coming in? I think taking in isolation, I think everyone, well, most people would agree that he would probably in, improve the squad. Despite Burnley's relegation, a proven Premier League performer, someone who, who he seems to really, not just an organiser at the, at the back and dominant figure, um, but um, also very durable. I mean, we seem to, unfortunately, in the past, you've had players who'd hardly got injured and then they come to Everton and uh, on the treatment table. So you've got to hope that that's not the case if he, if he comes in. But um, as a general policy for the club, what I would like to see going forward is lots of hungry young players um, are sort of in the age group of, of, of their early 20s that Moyes tr tried to do when he came in and players who can sort of grow with the club and um, can, can get better. So he doesn't fit that model. And so you might say, well, he's, he's another one of these coming towards the, the latter stage of his career. So I'd, I'd be concerned if all the players were of this particular mould. But given that he is a proven Premier League performer and in his particular position, centre-back, you sometimes need to have that experience and uh, if also if Frank wants to go with the three at the back, we don't know going forward, you know, you're going to need extra numbers there. The problem, as we know, and we've discussed it many a times, is that Yeri Mean is probably the best current centre-half and he's just not available enough. So whether that means Yeri Mean is still there next season in the last year of his contract or is what I would like to see, he gets sold on as much as I rate him. I think, you know, given that he has one year left, he goes, you're going to need a new centre-back. And this is a player who... Wasn't David Moyes offering big money for him not too long ago? Take him down to West Ham. The fact that they're getting him on a free transfer if he, if he comes, a stupid piece of, of business. Like I said, I, I would like the general policy to be going for younger players, but taking in isolation, he's a player who I think most people would agree improves Everton's squad. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I can obviously you were quite glowing in, in your praise for James Tarkovsky. Last week, you felt he was actually a little bit underrated in terms of his, his qualities on the ball, etc. What type of contract would you like to see the, the centre back given if you, you know, when he, if, if and when he does join the Blues? Is this, you know, a two year, three year deal, or would you like to see maybe, you know, a one year deal with, you know, the chance he's got to keep himself on his toes? What, what type of contract would you like to see, you know, in given? It's tough, isn't it? Because you, you just don't know. You know, what kind of financial package will Everton are in a position to offer for a start? You know, we're still waiting for the club to uh, 
published their retained list. You know, as we're recording on Thursday, we're we're expecting that at the end of this week. So, you know, it, I think that'll give us more of a general idea of you know how many wages uh, Everton are going to be playing with over the course of this summer. That's before uh, any potential departures. You know, Bees mentions the likes of Yeri Mina. You imagine there'll be certain other few fringe players that be uh, uh, that the club would be looking to move on in this window but you know how many how many years have we have we said the same thing it's all about it's all about who's going to take these players uh, off Everton's hands so it, it, it it's it's tough in that sense uh, I think in an ideal scenario you would like to see you know perhaps a two-year deal with an option of a third sort sort of thing you know I think that would that would probably be an ideal scenario because I think as B's quite rightly says it, it, it's all about. It, it, I think. I think Tarkovsky brings with him a certain amount of experience, which is is required across the squad. But I think he also fits into this sort of robust mold that Frank Lampard uh, has already talked about wanting to bring in. I think he's played. He's played at least thirty Premier League games in each of the last you know, five seasons, something like that. I think since he's joined Burnley, he's played at least 30 games in a, in a Premier League season each time. He was an ever-present not so long ago for Burnley in the Premier League. So, you know, how many how many Everton players can you say that about? You know, if, 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 if he can come in and keep his similar sort of injury record, then I, I think he's, a, he's, he's an absolute, he's an absolute shoe in essentially. I think Everton need that across the squad, just people that you can, that you can rely on to be, available through it like throughout throughout the course of the season especially last year Everton just didn't have that so I think if if, if he does bring that and he does bring uh, the amount of quality that a lot of people would be expecting from him then I, th- I think you know what whatever whatever deal you give to him I think it's probably really going to be worth it because as, as B quite rightly says you're getting him on a you get them on a free transfer. If you were then to like move into the realms of like a three or four year contract, then you know that's 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 getting quite pricey for like let's say let's say he was like if he was for example in five million a year. If you if you've got him on a four year contract, you pay you are paying twenty million for him essentially, which is you know that that's getting to the pricey end of things. But especially for the financial situation that Everton do find themselves in, but. Uh, you know, if, they, if, if as long as they can get you know the the right price, and it's a price that they think they're gonna get, they're gonna get a, a certain amount of worth from the player. I think it's it, we've just got to a position where you've got to trust the kind of strategy that Lampard and Thelwell have uh, are trying to implement because we we can talk about the transfer mistakes that Everton have made in the recent past, but none of them have been down to Lampard or Thelwell. So. I'm not, I'm not I'm not sure whether you can whether you can lump Tarkovsky in 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 the same sort of financial bracket as a, as any of them. This has got to be considered as a clean slate and a new opportunity in in a way. And again, uh, I think some people might think I'm maybe being a little bit naive there, but I I just think you've got to you've got to have this sort of positive outlook and you've got to have this trust at this point because if 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 you don't, then what's the point? Bees hasn't alluded to it there, but. That you know retained and released list that Everton are going to publish, we imagine very soon, is, yeah. is going to be very interesting, isn't it? Because if if you know, like I said, Fabian Delph and you know 
people like that are on it, then obviously Everton are going to be saving a lot of money this summer that hopefully they'll be able to invest in other areas. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd imagine that the big one we're not sure about um, whether John Joe Kenny stays or is offered a new deal. We've been taught that he will be offered improved terms to stay on, but I'd, all the other ones I would imagine will, will be going um, and that, um, that potentially frees up a, a, a big um, sort of wedge of, of, of wages for want of a, of, of a more technical term that um, uh, Gilfie Sigerson didn't play at all last season. Tosin, we already know, is on his way. And uh, Fabian Delph is expected to, to go too. So between um, those lot, that's some that's a pretty hefty uh, wages, which, like I said, can hopefully be re- reinvested on uh, what I described as uh, young, hungry players. And uh, there is an opportunity for rebuilding this summer. It perhaps wasn't there um, 12 months ago, regardless of who the manager was. But um, I think that, you know, that there is, there's, there's going to be, well, we don't know how much is going to be available in terms of transfer fees, but certainly in terms of, of the wages, you'd, you'd like to believe, think that there would be a certain amount um, to play with. But as Adam has already said, the question is, is how many of these players who aren't out of contracts, but would deem as potentially being surplus to requirements, can you actually get shut off? Because it's been the problem, isn't it? Hamas Rodriguez and Bernard were basically almost given away last year because they were on such big wages you'd like to hope you'd at least get something back um you know there's been talk of marseille potentially being interested in yeri mina i don't know who you get for for andre gomez he, he'd be one who I, I think potentially could save you a lot in wages because i, I don't think um, he's got much of of a role to, to play there now as much as frank wants people to enjoy the football and he is, you know, he's, he's strong on the ball. That's his big area. And, um, I think there are players like him. You're thinking, just who, who can you get them to take you off your hands? I think one more player who's been linked with the Blues in recent days is Harry Winks. He was obviously linked with Everton, Jordan Carl and Trotsky's time with the club. Is, is that a midfield you'd like to see Everton bring in? Obviously, mid- midfield is a big, it's going to be a big area for the Blues in the summer because they desperately need to bring new bodies in. But is Harry Winks someone who you think fits the bill for the Blues? Um, no, <laughs> no, not not particularly. I just, I, I just don't, I just don't know what kind of profile in that midfield that he would fit. Because essentially, I think a number six is probably going to be Everton's priority in terms of midfielders over the course of uh, the summer. He's definitely not a number six, is he? You know, he's, he's not somebody who's going to be, you know, aggressive in breaking up play and then comfortable enough to you know take it off defenders bring it out you know have that have that certain sort of sort of profile about him I, I just don't think he's he's that sort of player at all he just he just seems like a just another central midfielder to me I, I, w- I would probably I would probably liken him to more of like some like a position like an Andre Gomez or a, a Tom Davis for example sort of like that that sort of that sort of position in the Everton squad and you know Everton as well Everton have got too many of those. I, I, I would potentially argue, you know, even if you know you, you, we do see to either one of or both of Davis or Gomez leaving the club in the summer if if they see fit to to sell them. But I just I just don't think he's I just don't think he's what Everton Everton needs, especially for the price that would you know the you know the kind of price that's been mooted around them as well. I think I've seen some reports suggesting suggesting twenty million. I mean, this is this is a player who. You know, granted, Spurs are quite good, but he can't get into the Spurs team at the minute. Doesn't seem like his confidence is necessarily high. So, 
Everton are going to have to work on building them back up in terms of confidence as well. I just don't think Everton are in the, in, in the sort of situation to be spending that much on a player who would, you know, he doesn't really fit into the kind of profile that they really need. And, you know, he, he, he's he's a bit of a risk in terms of whether he can find his form again. I've got no doubt that he's he, he is a quality footballer, but, you know, for what, for what Everton needs from uh, some midfield transfers in the future, I would suggest that they probably need an attacking midfielder maybe and you know, a, a, a number six. And I just don't think he is he is either of those. So I, I just think Everton, especially in a, in a summer where they're probably going to need to be quite savvy with their, with their money, I just think that Everton can spend it a lot better than, than Harry Winks. Just to finish up, just before we finish up, Dennis, mm-hmm. Are you a bit underwhelmed by the, the links with the links to Harry Winks? Yeah, I would completely concur with what Adam said. Um, I did a piece yesterday. We were sort of looking at what his attributes were, and very similar to Gomez, like you said, in that respect. Tidy on the ball, retains possession, but he doesn't have any sort of uh, penetration in the final third, and he's not offering you anywhere near as much off the ball as either Alan or Abdelay Decore. I mean, Decore actually, I think, had uh, more. Um, expected goals about him he'd get into the box more and create more in the final third so what's he actually doing in that respect neat and tidy but um not much penetration from an attacking point of view and where he's not putting a shift in when you're off the ball as well so now i think a lot of evertonians are underwhelmed by these links and that he's one of these who see like you say regardless of who the manager is it keeps coming back so i don't know if it's agents touting him around or whether there is some sort of genuine interest at Evan. it seems strange that we've there's been so many changes of manager and now director of football and his name still keeps being thrown into the hat. But yeah, um, personally, I don't think he's the type of midfielder that Everton need. Um, I'd be very wary about it. So for me, yeah, same as, as Adam, uh, it'd be one who I would avoid and that I'd, I'd be looking elsewhere for somebody with a different sort of profile. Right, lads, we will leave things there. Thank you very much for joining me this afternoon. It's been an eventful show, even though the Blues aren't in action. As always with this football club, there's plenty of things to talk about. We'll be back next week to discuss more on the fallout from Everton's Premier League season. And of course, keep up to date with the latest transfer gossip surrounding the Blues as the countdown is on to Frank Lampard's side starting their new Premier League campaign. But this afternoon, thanks to Chris and Adam for joining me. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.